Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for taking a moment to take a look at the book with me. We're going to be studying about the Feast of God. I have a five-part audio series on CD entitled that, The Feast of God. How do they play into end times activities? Well, the Bible talks much about the Feast of God. They had a historic and agricultural background, and they have a great prophetic significance. Let's take a moment and listen to another portion of this five-part series entitled A Trio of Feast. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you how you can get your copy of The Feast of God. Right now, here's the study. Matthew chapter 26. I got to quickly hurry go through here. Matthew 26. Let me show you something in Matthew 26. Matthew 26 is the beginning of the day prior to Nisan 14, Passover beginning that evening. How do I know? Verse 17, Matthew 26, verse 17. Now the first, and by the way, I'm using the King James Bible. It's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me, so I'll continue to use it. This is a great Bible I have here. It's not only a King James, it's a King James Schofield. Beyond that, it's a King James Schofield with the Young's notes in it. It is excellent. But did you know that the King James is not inspired? <laughs> oh, I may have, please, if I offended anybody, I'm very sorry. Verse 17, the italicized words are not words that are in the Greek. And the phrase should read the verse, now the first of unleavened bread. The first of unleavened bread. The Greek word is pratos, which means the beginning of unleaven. It's talking about the time when, and prior to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know what the ladies are responding? You know where you got the idea for spring cleaning? Feast of Unleavened Bread. You think I'm teasing you. It's absolutely the truth. You know what they do before the Feast of Unleavened? The ladies of the house, the women and the daughters, the mothers and the daughters go through the house. They clean it from top to bottom. They get everything. They take the books out of the library, off the shelves. They open up the books and they spread them out to make sure that when dad was eating a cookie, reading a book, some cookie crumb didn't get in there. They're meticulous, cleaning this place. You know what they do with the, with the utensils, the cooking utensils they've used? They throw them away and go buy new ones. The merchants love it. There is one possibility. You can go to a special service where the rabbi will be with a great big oil drum full of boiling water and a special service can take place. You bring it over and you take the utensils, drop it in, pull it out of the boiling hot water and everything is clean. They were consecrated and so you can use them again. But most of the time they throw their utensils away and buy brand new utensils, dishes. It's unbelievable the way they operate. And so they're cleaning up for the unleavened bread. Well, at the beginning of that, they have to do it before the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts. So they're doing it the week before. And to make sure, they're so meticulous, these Orthodox, that they don't want to get involved ever having touched unleavened items. And so, or leavened items, rather. And so they, they stop eating leavened bread at noontime before the feast starts at Passover. That's where they are right here, at the beginning of unleavened. The disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? 
they're going to have the Passover Seder. That's before Nisan 14, because at evening, that's when they have the Passover meal. Verse 18, he said, Go into the city, and such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house and with thy disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. What did they do to make ready the Passover? They took the lamb. They went to the temple. The priests were there, and they did the sacrificial killing. They took the blood out of the lamb. They took the blood in the Mizrach. And it was unbelievable. That's why, here's why you need 28,000 priests. Can you imagine... Can you imagine having to slaughter thousands and thousands of lambs? At the time of Jesus Christ, there were approximately 200,000 people living in the city of Jerusalem. If every family, if you have four in a family, that's 50,000. Can you imagine slaughtering 50,000 lambs? They come down there, they take the blood out, they put it in the Mizrach. It's a container that holds the blood. It has a handle on it. And you would stand there on Passover, and the priest would take one this way with the blood going towards the altar. He would take the empty wing coming this way, and it moved like this, and you couldn't tell they were even moving. It was just a steady sight of all these Mizrachs moving down. Unbelievable. And so the disciples were given the responsibility, go down, go, take the lamb, go down, get the, rabbi, the priest to sacrificially slaughter the lamb, take the, you know, cut, slit the throat just like that, so it's kosher. Take the blood out of it and then bring the meat back and we'll roast the meat. He said, prepare for the Passover. Verse 21. Uh, verse 20. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve and they did eat. And you know the story of what happened. They did eat. Chapter 13, chapter 14 of the book of John tells about it. How it all unfolded. He washes the feet of the disciples. He then feeds them. He institutes the Lord's Supper. What does he do with that? He takes up the unleavened bread and he breaks it. And in the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew, he says, this is my body. The bread representing his body. Then he picks up the cup of the fruit of the vine and he says, this is my blood. Eat ye all of it, drink ye all of it. You know the story. Prior to doing that, he had sent Judas out. That this, he that sups with me shall betray me. Go down, do what you have to do, and do it quickly. Judas goes out and makes contact with the priest he had consummated a deal with for 30 pieces of silver. By the way, prophesied Zechariah. For the 30 pieces of silver, the 11th chapter, he says he'll take 30 pieces of silver, then he'll turn it back and they'll throw it down in the house of the Lord. <laughs> 400 years before it happened, Zechariah wrote it down exactly like it happened. And then Jesus takes his disciples, 16th chapter, 17th chapter of the book of John, they start from the upper room, going down to the Kidron Valley, across the Kidron Valley, over to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what Gethsemane means? The Olive Press. And he goes into the Garden of the Olive Press and is pressed down. What, can you not watch with me one hour? He goes in and he'd have his prayer. He takes the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And they fall asleep. He prays three times, Lord, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And into the garden comes Judas Iscariot, walks up. Did you ever notice this? Jesus Christ, all God, all man, omniscient, all-knowing, knows that Judas is going to betray him. And what does Jesus do? Friend, can you ever be more compassionate? Friend, and he lets Judas approach him and kiss him on the cheek. The Roman guards grab him. Peter, impetuous Peter, reaches for his sword. <laughs> Cuts the ear off of the servant of the high priest. Jesus says, Peter. Reaches in the dirt, picks up, puts the ear back. It's made whole. They take him to the house of Caiaphas. It's the beginning of six mock trials. A compilation of those six mock trials. Since I don't have time to go to all of them. They rip the clothes off his body. God man stands there naked before them. Oh, you're the king of kings, huh? They put a blindfold on him. And one grabs his beard and yanks it out. Another, prophesy, Jesus, tell us to hit you. You're the king of kings. Get over there. Throw him over a log. Take a cat of nine tails, a long piece of leather with jagged glass, rock and steel. And they beat the back of Jesus Christ. It's those rocks, that steel, and that broken glass turns his flesh on his back into ribbons. Get up! Oh, we've got to crown you the king of kings. They take a thorn bush, they circle, they tie it into a knot. They jam it into the brow of Christ. The pricks on the thorn bush open up the flesh above his eyebrow. The blood trips down over his beard. You need a robe, man. They put a purple robe on his back and it mats into his open flesh in his back. Get outside! He starts up Calvary's hill bearing his cross. He stumbles on the way. As he stumbles, Simon and Cyrene carry the cross. They get it to Calvary. Throw it on the ground. Throw him on the ground. Take a large spike like a railroad nail. And then they grip his other hand over here. Put his feet together and nail it to the cross. They pick up the cross, drop it in the ground. And the Bible tells us when the cross fell into the hole in the ground, every bone in his body was ripped out of joint. Not broken. Ripped out of joint. He looked out at those that had spit on him, pulled his beard, beat him with a cat of nine tails. Nail him to the cross. And they yell, crucify him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He looked to heaven. Oh, he said much more, but then he concluded by saying, it is finished. Look over John chapter 19, verse 30. John chapter 19 Verse 30, And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now look here, verse 31. Then Jesus therefore, because it was the preparation, in other words, preparation for the Shabbat, for the sundown that was coming, because he was crucified just before sundown, 
The body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath day. But wait a minute, what Shabbat is it talking about? Let's keep reading. For that Sabbath day was a high day, different than the normal Shabbat. It was a high holy day. It was one of those convocations. It was the first day of unleavened bread, which was a high holy day that was coming up. And before that day, the preparation must be done. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, secret disciples, come and take the body of Christ. May we have it? Yes. And Joseph had a, a place next to where Jesus had been crucified. And he had a cave that was being made into a family burial site. And they take him over there. And you know the story. They wrap him in the grave clothing. And after that, they lay him in his grave. A borrowed grave of a rich man. That's found here in the 19th chapter of the book of John. Thank you so very much for taking a few moments to take a look at the book, the subject, The Feast of God. How do they play into end-time activities? Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits, and as he promised, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. By the way, there are three fall feasts the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus Christ will fulfill those feasts as well in the proper day sequences. Now, if you want to understand how the feasts predict the end-time events that are happening in our day, you need to have your copy of this, The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD available right now. You can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. That number is toll-free from across America. Call and order your copy of The Feast of God. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Or if you'd like to, you can go right this moment to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and order your copy of The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD, available for you right away. And let me just remind you, everything that we've talked about in this study, and in fact all of the study of the Feast of God, indicates that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before the rapture, when Jesus calls us to be with him, Every single one of those prophecies have been fulfilled. The rapture will begin the prophetic events prophesied in God's word that must happen before Christ comes back. Evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ could shout, the archangel could shout, and the trump of God could sound to call us to be with him in the air. That's the rapture. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...